Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I appreciate it. Willows Christopher and Zach Isaacs will be on the podcast today from Shrugging Dr. Beverage Company, Winnipeg's only and Manitoba's biggest winery. Bob Irving will talk with us about that big win by the Bombers on the weekend. Brian Smiley from Manitoba Public Insurance will be on the podcast on a few things. And Aaron Moore, poli-sci guy at the University of Winnipeg, will talk about the civic election campaign. Please rate the podcast, please subscribe to the podcast, and now, the podcast. All right, um, so Friday, uh, as you know by now, I like to take a look at what, there are days for everything, and Friday was Drink Local Wine Day, and I asked out loud on the air, I said, gee, is there any local wine? And I heard from people, yes. And then I heard from one of the founders of Winnipeg's only winery and Manitoba's biggest winery, Willows Christopher. Uh, Willows, nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming in. And you said us, yes, your co-founder. Zach Isaacs is with you as well. Hi, Zach. Hi. Um, How old are you guys? Rude first question, but you're you're young men. I can't believe you're winemakers. Yeah, we we both just turned 22. We're born like less than a month apart. And um, we wrote the business plan when we were 18 years old. And why did you, why did you decide to become winemakers? I like getting drunk. Uh, (laughs) Honest answer. I love it. Yeah. You know, uh, I've been making wine for years. I love it. It's a real passion of mine. Uh, like, have you been making it with, like, a lot of people make wine with the kits that you can buy and that, but you were actually... Well, no, yeah, I always wanted, you know, I'd go strawberry picking or raspberries, yeah. drag him along, and yeah. Saskatoon's, strawberries, rhubarb. Uh, yeah, and, it was and, just and make And make wine and, and different drinks out of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so how long have you been around then to be Winnipeg's only and Manitoba's biggest winery? That's impressive. How long have you been around then? Well, we opened in January of 2017, and I believe we became the biggest winery <laughs> pretty quickly. Six, well, I don't I, eight months after that. I don't imagine you got a lot of competition. Eh? Not, not a lot. There's like one, one other person. I yeah. think there's been a couple wineries like historically that have come and gone, but yeah. uh, we're hoping we can, uh, you know, we can stick. And it's called Shrugging Doctor. I'm not sure if I mentioned that or not. Where did the name come from? So you know, when you write a business plan at 18 years old, and you walk into a bank and you say, "Hey," I've never really had a job before. I've never run a business. I have no credit history. I have no assets. <laughs> and I want to start a business about getting drunk is what they hear. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. It's a little bit hard to get funding. Yeah. So uh, we started this business for practically zero dollars, and we really had to kind of climb and claw our way up to where we are today. And when I think of that kind of ingenuity and entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, I think of the doctor with a cart that went town to town selling elixirs that cure everything, just yes. like uh, just like we try to do. So we yeah. put a lot of our personality in the operation. Well, I have a real uh, soft spot for the entrepreneurial spirit. So anytime I can get somebody on talking about their business idea, and especially when they succeed with it, mm-hmm. uh, I like doing that. So what, uh, guys, either one of you, what have you got then for wines? Because you don't just have one wine. Like you've got several beverages you're putting out, right? Yeah. So we have a white and a rosé that are made with Manitoba grapes that we're really proud of those. <laughs> it took like a 
more than a full year to, from start to being able to actually sell them. Yeah. It's a pretty ambitious project because I'm sure you can imagine growing wine grapes in this well, province. I want to ask like. you, yes, and I want to ask you about that, but rattle off some of the drinks mm-hmm. first of all so we yeah. know. Then we have apple cider, yeah. mead, which is a honey wine. Uh-huh. Uh, we have apple cinnamon mead, raspberry, cranberry, raspberry chocolate, strawberry rhubarb, and we have a lot of like other seasonal stuff yeah, that uh, yeah, comes and, and goes kind of with, uh, with the season. Wow. Right and yeah. it's available in, in all the liquor marts? Yeah, we have six products with liquor marts. Uh, we're pretty much every location. Uh, As North is like Thompson and the Paw. We're mm-hmm. in like Brandon, Selkirk, Steinbeck, Thompson, uh, you know, around there. Uh, and then pretty much every location in Winnipeg. Uh, it's also available on uh, Skip the Dishes uh, delivery service. And wow. we also uh, do our own delivery service on our website. Uh, so you can just go there and online. You don't have to have to talk to anybody and... <laughs> This yeah, it's over to you. Uh, the uh, website is great. It's called uh, shrugdoc.com. Yeah. Uh, but again, just Google uh, Shrugging Doctor and it will pop up. So that's good. You can get it delivered right to the house. Now, let me ask you about the grapes because mm-hmm. it's too cold here to grow grapes, isn't it? <laughs> that's what uh, people say. Uh, so these grape strains have been like specially engineered. Uh, one, the rosé grapes have been specially engineered by the University of Minnesota, and uh, the white grapes have been engineered in Quebec, and they're made to be especially cold hardy. Huh. And then we grow them in the uh, Pemina Valley in uh, just south of Winkler, about ten minutes off the U.S. border, and that's like the warmest part of uh, Manitoba. And they grow there. Yeah, and, yeah. We... And, and our, I guess it's like any other. Uh, grapes that are used for wines, you have good years and bad years, I guess. Eh? Yeah, yeah. This year was uh, was about fifty percent less than last year, which was unfortunate because of the weather. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's uh, it is what it is. Um, the grape wines for the next few years are never going to be like you know highly distributed and and our main products. Mm-hmm. That's why we have stuff like the apple cider that we actually bring in the apples from like BC, so we can get them all year round. So we can have these kind of core products right. twelve months a year. And then we we like to you know we really like local stuff and support local business and local farmers and stuff like that. So we do about fifty percent of our inputs are local. Yeah. All our honey from for the meads local. Um, strawberry rhubarb. You know we were picking the the strawberries and driving around to people's houses and picking rhubarb ourselves. So, you know, we can verify how uh, local and, and, and fresh it is. But yeah. Uh, um, yeah, so hopefully we we plan in the future to maybe plant more grapes and have yeah. more of a yield, but, you know, at the moment. And so. how's it going, Zach? Like any regrets? Are you guys making money? You're obviously you're happy doing what you're doing. I'm extremely happy doing what we're doing. Uh, we are making money. You know, we had a bit of a rough start, but Things seem to be going pretty well. I haven't slept in like three years, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you'll catch up. You'll catch up at some point. I also get to drink wine every day, though, so I mean... That's true. As part of your job. (laughs) No one can yell at me anymore. You get paid to drink wine. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I got to ask you, it seems winemakers that I've met in the past, they like to enter their wines in competitions, right? And oh, our wine was number one at whatever event, Mm -hmm. you know. Have you entered your wines, your drinks in any competitions? We haven't yet. Um, one of our biggest problems has been keeping up with demand. Uh, it's hard for us to keep, you know, stock on the shelves. Right. Like uh, the liquor marts have been like, hey, can we get 100 cases? We're like, oh, can you do 70? Because <laughs> like, you know, we're just selling out quickly. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of get a more baseline, have product in stock, I definitely want to start exploring those options of yeah. like, you know, festivals and contests and stuff like that. 
Good for you guys, man. I love this story. This is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that you, uh, uh, you know, you didn't go to business school. You didn't even get a post-secondary education. Zach, you said you dropped out of high school, right? <laughs> I mean, and to see you guys uh, doing well is uh, is really cool. I'm so glad you got a hold of me, uh, Willows, because, uh, by the way, best name ever. <laughs> Thank best you. name of a guest ever on my show, Willows Christopher. Appreciate it's like it. you're a character out of some uh, epic movie. You know? That's, that's, yeah. I'm I'm blessed. What and can Zach I say? Isaacs isn't bad either. That's kind of a rock and roll name, actually. I sort of you know with a name like that, you should be in a rock band. That's but right. you're but you're winemakers. Um, what's the biggest challenge to making wine? What's the is it getting the grapes and the grapes in uh, you know good quality and enough quantity? Is that the hardest part? Enough quantity has been a bit difficult. Uh, honestly, a lot of it is the waiting. Yeah. You know, it, it takes time. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And like this year's, the, for example, this year's crop, when would that be in a bottle and available for purchase? About a year. Wow. Yeah. So we like, we just released our 2017s in uh, July. July. Yeah. So, you know, that that's to be 10 months on that one. Um, the longer, the better typically. So uh-huh. we want to probably wait about a year uh, for these 2018s and then. Yeah. You know, now that we can kind of sit on product longer, because yeah. you know, when you start a business on like fifty dollars, you and it's a manufacturing business that so you gotta spend a lot of money before you make like, and you gotta wait months before you make any money. Yeah, uh, it's hard to sit on product. Like, I just kind of want to move it out the door as quick as possible. How did you do that? Like you said, you've done it on a shoestring, <laughs> but I can't imagine. Like you said, I mean, this is a business that involves product, it involves you know, making it bottles. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it. Probably shouldn't have been possible. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, yeah, we we got a lot of uh, the all the financial help we received was from a company called Futurebinner. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, they're like a crown corporation yeah. that specializes in funding small, uh, like young entrepreneurs. Sure, but uh, we still started the entire operation for like under fifty thousand dollars, which uh, is incredible. I actually told that to somebody in the industry. And it was in a bar, so it was loud. And he's like, 500000 That's pretty good. That's less than we spent. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, so it's, um, I think a lot of people are like, wait, how did you do this again? Wow. But uh, I, I, I don't know if we even know. We're just still here. Well, you know, we made some wine, made some cider. Uh, cider is definitely our fastest product yeah. out yeah. the door. Uh, made a bunch, sold a bunch, made more, sold more. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Good for you guys. And what's next now? Do you want to add more beverages or like, what do you hope to do with it? Yeah, we're trying to stay ahead of production. We're finally like we we just added another vat. This is the third time we've had to expand since we opened. And the vat that we just added is actually the size of our entire operation was in 2017. Wow. So it's, you know, we're getting ahead of production now that we can make more than the orders and keep everything in stock. Once we do that, we want definitely want to, you know, obviously keep refining the recipes, make the products better, uh-huh. but uh, expand into different things. We have a couple of products that we haven't announced yet out of uh, some local fruits that uh, yeah. I'm excited to release. And then, um, you know, I guess just keep expanding. And because uh, every time I go to a, a, a farmer's market or anything like that and I'm sampling, you know, I, I'm like, hey, we're actually Winnipeg's only winery. And they usually don't go, oh, I haven't heard of you. They go, we have a winery? Yeah, so, exactly. You know, that was my reaction. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we still have a lot, a long way to go to get out there and mm-hmm. uh, and educate everybody and, like, let everyone taste yeah. their stuff. You're available in the liquor marts. Any restaurants have your wines uh, in their... Uh, uh, the casinos do. Yeah, yep. both casinos do. Um, we're, we're in a lot more restaurants in the summer uh, with the ciders because uh, sure. a lot of the restaurants take off. 
the uh, the cider for. Well, I'll uh, bet you there are. Will, I bet you there will be restaurant tours hearing this going. I had no idea. So hopefully you guys get some calls because I think uh, you know awareness is huge now that people are aware that you're out there. Now mm-hmm. I would encourage people uh, to support because it's a great story, guys, and I really appreciate you coming in and, and telling me the story. Well, Thanks we, a lot. Yeah, we really appreciate you having us. Willows Christopher and Zach Isaacs, Shrugging Doctor Beverage Company, Winnipeg's only and Manitoba's biggest winery. Who knew? <laughs> On the phone, Mr. Bob Irving. Good afternoon, Bob. Hey, Hal, how are you? Well, listen, I'm fantastic. What a game, eh? Yeah, you never expect uh, an outcome like that in any game, and never mind a game between two teams that are so evenly matched and, you know, are battling for positions in the playoffs. But the Bombers came up with another outstanding performance. They're really on a roll right now, Hal, and uh, their defense is playing great. Their offense is not making mistakes and just doing enough. Their special teams are rock solid. They're looking mighty good. You know, as bad as that four-game slide was, they are peaking at the right time, aren't they? Well, so it seems. You know, the players always say you want to play your best football or be playing your best football in October and into November, and certainly that's uh, the way it's trending for the Bombers right now. I, I guess the the word of caution I would throw in there is that, uh, you know, these things can change. Teams yeah. go up and down like crazy, but no, there's nothing but good signs coming out of the Bomber camp these days. I'll be tuning in tonight, Bob, between 7 and 8 for the Coaches Show, only to hear you try and get Mike O'Shea to admit that he even cares or looks at the standings. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll, that's like pulling teeth, right? Uh, but if he's pressed hard enough, he will yeah. say, yes, I know we're 9 and 7, and yes, I know we're two points behind Saskatchewan. Yeah. So uh, I'll try to get him to say that. He knows where they are in the standings, yeah. but he's so... Uh, uh, determined never to make that uh, conversation point within the locker room. He mm. wants the players to focus only on, okay, who are we playing next, yeah. and how do we go about beating that team? Let's not let these outside forces and all these other thoughts uh, you know, complicate things. And mm. I understand exactly what he's doing. He's not the only coach who does that, by no. the way. Uh, but uh, he is very reluctant to talk openly about the standings and where they are. I'll see what I can do tonight. Good. I'll be listening for it. So the teams are kind of jammed up for second and third in the West. Are the Bombers, well, they're not in the best shape, but they're in okay shape. They really kind of control their own destiny, don't they? Well, there's yeah, for sure. If they win their last two games, they'll be in the playoffs. There's so many things, Hal, that could still happen. You know, BC and Edmonton both won on the weekend, which, of course, didn't help the Bombers at all. Right. They're still very much uh, in the running. Uh, The possibilities are almost endless. Like the Bombers have a bye this weekend, and while they're uh, taking some time off, Saskatchewan will be playing in Calgary, and Edmonton will be playing in B.C., and those games will all have an impact on what goes on with the Bombers. You know, if Saskatchewan lost their last two games and the Bombers won their last two, Winnipeg would finish in second place. Yeah have a home playoff game Uh, that seems a little bit unlikely but who knows you know there's a lot of things that could still happen well bob and the best thing is it's no longer your 800th bomber game so you don't have people congratulating you which i'm sure i mean everybody loves you but i'm sure after a while it got to be a bit much yeah, I, I, 
I guess it did. I, you know, you know how I feel about those things, but yeah. I, I appreciate all the, the kind comments and, I know. and the things people said. It was very nice. It's, uh, you know, don't ever think for a minute that I, I don't appreciate uh, all yeah. the good, the good wishes. Is this true that you're going with day to catch a matinee this afternoon? A star is born. Oh, check it out. I'm hearing awesome things Ugh. about a star is born. It's amazing, Bob. It will stick with you not for days after, but for weeks after. It is phenomenal. Are you a crier or not? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, take some Kleenex because you'll be crying. <laughs> okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. And Brian Smiley from Manitoba Public Insurance joins us on the phone. Hi, Brian. Hello, are you there? I am. Can you there hear me? There you are. Now I can hear you. Yes. There Thank we you. go. Thank you for doing I think this, your Brian. Buddy Tristan Field Jones was sleeping in the uh, operating room there. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's uh, it's he's not pushing the buttons, but it was our phones are weird. I've complained about our phones for a long time, so I apologize. I was definitely I, Tristan. I guarantee yes, it was Tristan. Absolutely, I guarantee. <laughs> Sorry, it was Tristan. A... <laughs> Sorry to point a finger at you, buddy. <laughs> That's okay. No problem at all. Hey, I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about. So there's a, a new survey out today. Uh, it's by a, a company called Lowest Rates. I'll just mention them because I want to make sure people know where it came from. And they say that uh, when it comes to understanding the impact legal cannabis will have on their auto insurance, a survey found that 96% of Manitobans have no idea how legalization will affect their insurance rates. And I thought, that's a good question. Will the legalization of cannabis, Brian Smiley, affect our insurance rates? Well, that's a that's an interesting question, Hal. Right out of left field, uh, it, it won't affect the overall premium that Manitoba Public Insurance is requesting currently. We're actually right in front of the uh, Public Utilities Board right now for our uh, for our uh, general rate application. Uh, I would suggest, though, that the legalization of cannabis will affect drivers individually. Uh, again, we know right now operating a motor vehicle impaired by a drug, including cannabis, is illegal. And uh, moving forward with the legalization is certainly going to be more readily available. Drivers uh, may be wanting to partake, but uh, how it's going to affect them uh, cost-wise, well, I can tell you that on a conviction, uh, whether it be drug or alcohol, uh, a driver will uh, be moving down on their driver's safety rating about 10 levels. Uh, That will result in lost uh, discount for both their driver's license and their auto pack premium. Let me give you an example. If a driver is at the bottom end of that scale, uh, that's a minus 20, Hal. They're going to be paying $3,500 for their driver's license. So uh, that's one way it will affect people uh, in terms of a financial um, uh, penalty. Yeah, and I understand that. There are penalties if you get caught uh, smoking and driving. But just generally speaking, do you think it will impact all of our insurance rates, or is it kind of a wait and see? That's really a wait and see how that's going to be dependent on the number of drug-related collisions. Uh, as you likely know, our general rate application, our premiums, are determined by a number of factors, uh, both uh, weather-related, whether it's hail or bad winters, uh, the uh, the market, the volatility of the market, interest rates going up and down. Uh, it depends on a number of those factors. Uh, whether the legalization of cannabis is going to have an impact on the overall auto pack premium 
is a very much wait and see. Again, that would be if we all of a sudden saw a dramatic increase in drug-related collisions, then uh, that certainly would be taken into account and looked at. But it's very difficult to answer the question uh, as it's put there. Yeah, uh, no, I understand. I just saw yeah. that a survey and I thought, well, that's, an in- that's a good question because I hadn't really thought about that. If it will impact, I guess, as you said, uh, we'll wait and see. But if you do get caught using cannabis and driving, big penalties. No, absolutely. Uh, you're going to get everything from a roadside suspension to one-year suspension to, uh, again, moving down on the driver uh, safety rating that will reduce uh, your discounts on both your driver's license and your uh, what you're receiving on your auto pack premium. So, again, there will be financial implications from those, uh, from those perspectives. Speaking of finances, MPI uh, took in about $30 million more in the first six months of this year compared to last year. Any chance we might see a, a break on our rates, or where will that money go? Uh, well, uh, you're right. That was just announced today. That's our second quarter results from this particular fiscal year. But I can tell you that uh, right now uh, we are in front of the Public Utilities Board uh, where we have asked uh, in June, we asked for a 2.2 overall rate increase. Uh, and I should mention that if that is approved by the Public Utilities Board, that will result in the average vehicle owner paying about $27 more a year. So, uh, so for now, that's what's been requested. No, uh, uh, no way that thirty million might give us a break at this point, eh? Uh, no, because again, a different different fiscal year, and also how we're heading into our third quarter, which historically is our winter months, and mm-hmm. that can result in a, a spike in collision claims, which will possibly have an impact on what we're going to be asking for a premium two years from now. But again, that's in combination with a number of factors, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, the market, the interest rates, uh, hail. Uh, certainly all those factors come into play. Sure. And I wanted to ask you one other thing, too. I almost hit a deer the other night heading home. I'm just south of the perimeter, and it's that time of the year again, and I know you've been on the air talking about this, but we're getting word of a father and two sons hitting a moose out in the Latelier area, and apparently uh, they're lucky to be alive. Talk about the difference between a vehicle hitting a deer and a moose, and maybe talk about the time of year, because it is a time of year when we've got to keep an eye open for both. Well, hitting a moose uh, can be certainly catastrophic and life-altering. Uh, it's, it's literally like hitting a horse. Uh, typically, the animal will come flying over the hood and into the windshield or flying into the windshield and then bouncing off, going over the uh, roof of the vehicle. Very, very devastating. Uh, typically, a deer will bounce off a fender or the front end uh, going underneath the vehicle. Uh, on average, Hal, there are about 6,000 vehicle deer collisions annually in Manitoba. Uh, on average, is about 11,000 wildlife hits uh, with vehicles on, in Manitoba. So of that 11,000, 6,000 are deer. So uh, we're entering into the rutting period for the animals. October and November are our two worst months for wildlife uh, vehicle collisions. Again, uh, because of the rutting season, the animals are very transient. They're moving from zone to zone. They're crossing roadways, unfortunately. So if you are traveling in rural areas with bush around the roadways, uh, drive defensively, expect to uh, encounter an animal, apply your brakes, do not swerve, apply your brakes and drive through. Brian, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate it. Very good, Hal. Thank you. We're getting closer to Election Day here in the city of Winnipeg and other municipalities as well. Let's talk about the election campaign with Aaron Moore. He's a political scientist at the University of Winnipeg. Good afternoon, Aaron. Good afternoon, Hal. Well, one pundit last week here on CJOB called this civic election campaign sleepy. What would you call it? 
Uh, I think that's a pretty uh, apt uh, word. I would have called it maybe boring, but uh, I think that <laughs> both uh, terms apply. Maybe sleepy's a bit nicer, but boring would be. Uh, <laughs> but boring works too. Yeah, I'm not always on the nice side of these things, but I definitely think at least the mayoral cam- campaign has uh, been uh, pretty easy to ignore for most voters. I see Ross E today is throwing his support behind Makaluk. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting support. He, he basically said he's doing it because he doesn't like Bowman, but also recognized that uh, Makla couldn't do what she wanted to do because of the finances of the city. So it wasn't much of an endorsement, but it was, it was another one. Is this Bowman's race to lose? That's the sense I get, eh? Um, yeah, I think from the outset it's uh, been his uh, race to lose, and uh, I don't think anything's changed. And uh, really, unless something drastic happens in uh, the next week or so, I don't see um, him losing this election. We are seeing higher voter turnout at the advance polls, though, 32% over last time. Is that uh, any indication of what this vote might end up like? Well, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, we've seen similar things in other cities, uh, for instance, in Ontario and um, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it's just more people decide to vote earlier. It doesn't necessarily an indication that more people will vote overall, though. Yeah, I guess that's a fair comment. And then, who knows? We may see more people voting, but it might be the Portage and Maine issue and not necessarily the other races, right? Well, that's true. I mean, I I don't think this mayoral race is going to uh, drive a lot of people out to vote because uh, Bowman does seem poised to win. Um, There's also no left-wing, major left-wing candidate running. Um, So, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people, as uh, the probe... um, poll not too long ago suggested most people are bored with the issue of Portage and Maine, but it's definitely been staying in the headlines. And now we have this discussion about the need to um, take down the barriers to, to fix the, um, uh, the, the underground anyway. So, you know, the, it, there's all these new dynamics to this discussion. So it might actually galvanize some people either for or against to go to the polls. Yeah, I think crime and the meth crisis actually are bigger issues now than Portage and Maine. Portage and Maine was a big issue early on, kind of went away. Now I think it's crime and to some degree the meth crisis. But I don't think people think the mayor and council can do much about that. No, that's my sense. I mean, some of the mayoral candidates, and I'd say even some of the councillor candidates, have focused on the uh, the crime and meth issue and have talked about what they'll do about it. But it seems like most of the public is aware that this is something the provincial government in particular needs to uh, um, be, become responsible for. It's not really the capacity of the city uh, to address this uh, problem, particularly since it's a major health issue. Uh, the provincial government is going to need to intervene in it. And what about the ward races? Any of those of interest to you? Well, I think there's a number that are interesting. Um, my own ward of St. James, uh, since we have two incumbents running against each other, will be uh, quite notable, particularly because one is sort of a pro-Bowman um, or an ally of Bowman, Scott right. Gillingham, and one is an opponent of his in Dobson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall we could see a significant shift in the composition of the council that could uh, actually hurt the mayor because um, a lot of his allies are either not running or facing stiff challengers. So if we look at Jenny Gervaisi's or Jabazi's uh, old uh, ward, um, we see that, you know, it's a fairly open fight, and we might not end up with somebody who's willing to work with the mayor there, and that could be the case in a number of these open uh, uh, council seats. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the mayor may win, Bowman may win, but he may not have that inner circle he had before. Well, and I think, you know, there seems to be this assumption that just because he has the power to appoint people to the EPC, that that gives him the ability to um, really... Uh, pushes uh, um, policy through council, but he has to have willing counselors. 
Um, and he's had that. He's had his EPC plus two over the last four years. Um, but if he has a ho- more hostile council, it's going to be much more difficult for him to govern or for him to realize his own policies and platform. Um, so I think the council seats are actually the really interesting element of this, even though the uh, mayoral race is kind of, uh, as I said, boring or sleepy. Mm-hmm. Anything else, Aaron, before I let you go? Uh, no, I just encourage everybody to go vote. Yeah, that's an important. That's probably the most important message. Get out and vote. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Hal. Have a good day. Aaron Moore is a political scientist at the University of Winnipeg. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.